Thank you for joining us on the Leader Brew Podcast. We are on an adventure to explore inspirational leadership stories from the classroom to the real world. In every episode, we'll bring new perspectives and fresh approaches to solving some of today's most complex global leadership problems. We hope you enjoy listening and gaining valuable leadership insights. Now it is my pleasure to introduce you to today's host, Dr. Rick Erwin. So hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Leader Brew. My name is Rick Arrowood and I'll be your host for today's exciting episode. Uh, as you know, The Leader Brew goes back to the classroom and then we catch up with former students and see what uh, what they've done and what their journey has been like along the way and bring you some additional leadership insights. And today I am joined by a student from circa 2012. Uh, so that was really the early stages of when I began to um, teach uh, alongside uh, Jane Edmonds and Leslie Hitch. And so it's my pleasure to introduce you to Victoire Mazzoni, and she's joining us today from the UK. So hello and welcome. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. This is fantastic. So, you know, I think about those really early days of the program. And for me, it, it was interesting because it took a year or two uh, to really sort of get a feel for, okay, what can I really do here? Mm-hmm. And my my first year was 2010. By 2012, I think I had started to say, ah, we can build some relationships here. And I remember, I don't know if I had said it in 2012, but at some point I remember started saying to people, you will hear from me in 10 years from now. I mean, absolutely. And in fact, it's, do you know what's really funny is my mother of all people remembers you more than anyone else. She's oh, this like, is exciting. Yeah. She was like, you had this incredible tutor in your master's degree and he's just like always believed in you and you need to just <laughs> go ahead. Anyway, it made me giggle. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. Now, is she on my Facebook? So we should do I that. I mean, she's actually not on Facebook, but I'm sure you, we could connect you one way or another. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure we would be able to do that. Oh, that is that is really fantastic. So, um, you know, one of the exciting parts, I think, uh, what I'm hoping, of course, is exciting for people listening to our podcast is, you know, to take you back to those classroom experiences that we had. And I often use the, the, the phrase, and it may have been from your group, to recapture the magic, right? Because what I find, you know, years later after people had a great chance to reflect on it, it was magic to them. That, that whole experience that was taking place. And so I just wanted to take you back to the classroom and sort of get your insights having come from, well, at that point you were coming from, from the UK or from France to Australia? Uh, at that point I'd come from the UK, yes. Yeah, so I'd just done my mm. undergraduate degree and then, yeah, went to Australia to do my master's. And, and so from the UK to Australia, not a, not a great transition in terms of cultures and dynamics, or was it? Was it, was it kind of a, a shock? No. Uh, so it wasn't massively, mainly, so I'm originally French, but I spent most of my life in between Australia and the UK. And so when I moved back um, in 2009, I think it was, I was, it was actually coming back home, although I, it mm. was partly a shock moving from Sydney to Melbourne. I, I didn't know Melbourne. So when I came and did my um, masters, it was, it was more of a personal, like social life shock than, uh, I'd say cultural one. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah. And tell me about about the classroom experience. So in in this program, for the viewers uh, who who, who really don't understand what it was, students in this particular program uh, received two degrees, one from Swinburne University in their master's of choosing, and then one from Northeastern University in a master of choosing. So you end up with two master's degrees in two years. So what was that those experiences like? God, you're taking me back. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've aged a lot since actually. Um, the thing that was that really like sticks with me today is actually the small environment classroom learning that we had, in particular with you, Rick. Um, and like I learned so much from all of my classes, but I say I remember in particular leading teams. Um, I don't know why it stuck with me. And interestingly, I think when you go through a fast-paced kind of program like that, where you're, you know, you're it's full on, right? Like you've got a lot of expectations. To me, you need to be working super hard to get there. And I guess my background, maybe from my French side, is discipline and really like excelling as much as I can. So I really went in wholeheartedly. Um, and what I loved most is the different environments that you got. When So I did international business with Swinburne um, University of Technology. And, you know, it was with different people, different backgrounds, so much cultural um, learnings for me there. And I loved that. It was super enriching. And then when it came to the side with you guys, with Northeastern, I was so excited about going to Boston. It turns out it never happened in the end for me. But... Yeah. I absolutely enjoyed all of the learnings and the fact that you guys came, you know, from the States to teach us. And it it was an extraordinary experience. Um, and in particular, the bits that were amazing with was the learning from each other. And I think, you know, even to this day, having studied for so long, you know, you, you, you spend what five years studying all up when you do an undergrad as well. I just tell my managers and people I work with now, learn as much as you can and you never stop growing because that's what makes your career you know into into what you want to make it basically so continue learning that's my top tip yeah and it's interesting because as i look back on on the program certainly that that uh, you know collaboration through through the leading teams classes yeah. and and all the other activities and then it had that cultural intercultural global cultural competency yeah. kind of all in one and and so you know you were working with people from so many different countries with within that program, and I'm just curious, did that translate uh, pretty well in terms of your current work at at mm. Hilton, um, yeah. as well as your tomorrow's daughter? Like, is there a is can you can you make a, a leap between the two? Yeah, I'd say it certainly helped me in particular with Hilton Worldwide. I mean, we're an extremely multicultural organization. We've got people from all sorts of backgrounds, whether it be educational, um, cultural, from their country of origin, and they bring so much richness to our business. And in fact, you know, we we pride ourselves on being a very diverse and inclusive workforce, and that's something that we are constantly talking about. And we naturally all have biases, right? And so, and I think that's a real topic and theme in many organizations that I see is diversity and inclusion, ensuring that that's also represented throughout the organization. So when I was, um, you know, put into my learning environment and was exposed to that, for me, it's like a total norm. So I don't even really question it, but it's really interesting that it is a topic and something that's really important for us to, to bear in mind as we're in, a, in an organization. Yeah, that's great because at, at Hilton, you do uh, talent management, leadership and coaching. Yeah, that's right. And and so that certainly has its complexities, you know, with within itself. But I think that was one of the values of the global leadership program 
is yeah. is that it really did help prepare you for it. You know, maybe at the time, none of us really recognized what we were doing and what was going on. And who who would have thunk it that, you know, years later, you're actually implementing this within your own career? Yeah, exactly. And in some ways, it's completely like subconsciously done by bringing people together into one room, sharing experiences, learning. And then, you know, in the real world, I guess what you call it, the real world, um, it's exactly it's exactly the same. And it's really exciting. You're able to, you know, draw on on those experiences and bring them back into work. And then you've taken that additional step and started an organization called Tomorrow's Daughter, which which really has caught my eye over the last um, three or four years. And and I you know I, I I had written your name down on a you must reach out and see if you can help in any way you know and it was just always life gets busy and and then this podcast came along and I go listen that's the episode you want to listen to I I want to uh-huh. know more about tomorrow's daughter first of all let's start with how'd you come up with the name to me I'm <laughs> I'm fascinated by the name so title is doing it we to talk about what it is you actually do but how, yeah. how, how about this name okay yeah so tomorrow's daughter is my little baby I've got three actual children but um tomorrow's daughter is my newest kind of addition and it's come from a space one of being extremely passionate about coaching and supporting people in terms of their growth and development So that's really, I guess, me putting my passion into my career. And then um, I'm one of four girls. So I'm extremely well-versed in that kind of feminine environment. Um, My poor father doesn't get much of a word in in our family. Um, But I've always been, I guess, um, embedded in a space where we are empowered as girls, women, to be the best that we can be. And my three sisters are my biggest advocates, and they are just incredible and all extremely inspirational as well in terms of what they do, whether it be in their personal or professional life. And when I came to become, you know, think about launching my coaching business, it was all about, and you might be, you know, for those doing international business, it's about finding a niche in your target market so that you can be successful. And interestingly, I had never really thought about um, the female leadership side of things purely because I've never questioned it in my life. But my husband is the one that said, Victoria, like, for me, it's absolutely like, you know, clear for me that you have to tap into the female market. And he was like, you just talk about it every day in everything that you do. It's what, you know, Mm -hmm. it's part of you and who you are. And it suddenly resonated with me. So yeah, so I launched Tomorrow's Daughter, which is basically a business focused on providing um, executive coaching um, solutions, in particular to businesses, um, with a view to pave the way on gender balance. So I feel really strongly that like, um, you know, you might know Sheryl Sandberg, um, who worked as uh, for Facebook, which is now Meta, and how much work she's done in terms of supporting women around the world um, through her lean-in organization. And I really like aspire to her and want to contribute in my own way. And there is a broken rung at the entry-level roles. And what happens is, you know, but like me and my career now, I've just had three children in a very short space of time and my career is stalling and we need more women in senior executive VP um, EC roles. So that's kind of why it's here and why I'm passionate about it. The name actually came about because I want to make a difference in the world. And my Mm. difference is about supporting us as organizations, people, whether it be men and women, to support tomorrow's daughters, so the daughters of tomorrow. And if you think about it, for me, I'm not like an extreme like feminist in that sense, but 
I want to make a small difference. And I think men have a role to play and I think women have a role to play. And I'm just here to kind of help support businesses um, bridge that gap. And I also offer life coaching to women who feel they want to work on their confidence and things like that. So that's, that's you know, this is really, this is really fantastic. I mean, you're out there teaching and preaching it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, th- think about, I, I always think about the people who've taken classes, degrees, and they're doing nothing with it. You know, the beauty of this leadership was that you could uh, learn the skills, actually apply them, and then get out into the real world and experiment with them. Yeah. And right? you know what's really interesting, Rick? Um, when I decided to do my master's, I was really unsure what I should specialize in. And so I picked leadership, interestingly, because at the time when I did it, it was a brand new thing. Like it didn't really right. exist as a topic of of um, educational subject as such. And so I was throwing myself in a very risky world. I was like, I'm going to come out with two degrees. What am I going to do with it? And actually it has absolutely cemented a massive passion for me. And my whole career was then in leadership development. And I've now recently really honed in on the coaching side of things. But I think what's incredible through these programs is you might not know what you're kind of starting off with. And then you go through these two masters and you come out extremely equipped And, you know, one thing that's often questioned around what's the difference between learning in a classroom and then when you enter the the real world and in an organization. And I think that it's certainly supported us to be ready for what's ahead of us, because fundamentally, the theory is what we need to understand in order to make a difference in an organization. And I think then it's really down to the interpersonal skills, building that emotional intelligence, that ability to build relationships so that when you're going out to get that new job, you are demonstrating that absolutely you can transfer those kind of skills and knowledge that you've built into the workplace. And I was really fortunate. I got an incredible first opportunity um, back in the day. And I think that just kind of was the beginning to, of my career, really. You know, this, this is great. So, so one of the things, and please share this with your mother. Uh, that that I recall about you was this innate bubble of energy and and passion and excitement. And, And what I have seen over the course, all the way up to today's podcast, is that energy is alive and well, and the enthusiasm is there, the excitement is there, the desire to uh, make the world a better place, the desire to to focus on tomorrow's daughters. Like all of yeah. those things are still so evident in your voice and in in what I can see you as well through through video. I, I've had a similar experiences with other uh, podcasts that I've done from former students yeah. that still have maintained that light. I guess the challenging question becomes: What do you do when? they're not as receptive or what do you do when you can see it if they would only listen to you, you know, you could do so much with them if they were only more willing to change. So Mm. how how does that sort of obstacle, how, how have you dealt with that in the past? Oh, so that is so interesting. And I'd say once you crack that nut, you know, you can make your job whatever you want it to be. Mm. Because fundamentally, people are extraordinary. They're super, like, I believe people are resourceful, creative, and whole. And they have so much in them and so much to give to the world. And you touch on two things. One, do they want it? Two, how do you bring out the best in them? And 
fundamentally, there's a piece around values and you will never be able to change that. So when you're influencing someone, whether it be you as a professor, whether it be myself in the workplace, I can't change someone that has inherently deep ingrained values because that's something that's part of their DNA in essence. But what I do teach and I guess promote and and talk about a lot is understanding what is in it for the person that you are trying to influence really putting yourself into their shoes. Because unless you can answer the question, what's in it for me, you will never be able to get their buy-in. And that is true, whether it be, you know, getting a, a kid to eat broccoli, whether it be about teaching someone and hoping that they get something from what you've, you know, spent an hour teaching them on, or whether it be in their in their jobs, you know, like implementing change. That is all we do at Hilton at the moment. We're constantly introducing new development opportunities. What's in it for some of my HR managers to go out and roll this out to their people? They're already super busy. So that's my job is to kind of tell them what's in it for them. Once you crack that, you're there. That's awesome. And you know, one one of the things that um, I I saw you had written about was this COVID time period and, uh, you know, the the post-COVID time. And one of the things that I, I absolutely agree with you on is that that period, we had to give a little extra time for people to change and get adjusted. And I think there's still people who are still sensitive. Um, you know, we see it within, of course, the workplace, going back into the workplace. I've seen it in terms of, you know, we there's group functions going on. Um, you know, movie theaters are open back up again. But there's it's not back to that full speed ahead. People are sort yeah. of naturally not ready to adapt that change. And I think, you know, one of the things that you had focused in on was that you've got to accept that it may take some people a little longer to change. Yeah. And, and I see that within my own sort of teaching experience. Like, oh, come on, it's been 10 years. Change already. Um, but it's they're not changing on our timelines. You have to give them respect to change on their t- timelines. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, the biggest learning and interestingly, I guess through COVID, I was in and out of, um, we had a scheme here, which is called furlough. So support from the government, um, because my job was in essence, no longer needed because there was no one to move around in the business from a talent point of view. I also had another baby. So I was on maternity leave and I've actually just come back into the workplace about six weeks ago now. And what I have learned is that we need to slow down and we need to slow down and accept that everyone's in a different headspace now and it's going to take a transition time. And what's interesting is I'm extremely fast paced. I'm all about, you know, bringing change and positive change. But if the business, the environment, the culture, the, the, the company, the, you know, and even at a country level isn't ready, then there's no point, you know, pushing a brick wall in essence. So I'd say slow down reflect on what it is that you want to focus on and then move forward, I guess, with consideration of what's what's ahead of you. I think it will bounce back a lot quicker. I, I'd say in six months, 12 months time, we'll be probably back to where we were before, if not even quicker. You know, I can see it just in some of the conversations and people's like willingness to input their creativity has been stalled for so long, they've got a lot to give. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the near future for sure. 
Yeah, I think I think so too. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to not wait 10 years to reconnect with you. But there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind that um, you will take tomorrow's daughter and just do absolutely great things to it. So I wanted to say thank you for taking the time to be Absolute on today's pleasure. podcast. Uh, a big shout out to mom as well. <laughs> I will tell, let her know. <laughs> please, please tell her now that I can travel. Um, I'll be visiting. So Awesome. Prepare, she would prepare. love that. She's in France and Provence, so she would absolutely love that. <laughs> I just uh, have her send over the address. That's all it takes. Yeah, perfect. All right. So, thank Victoria, you so thank much you. for having me, though. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening once again to another episode of The Leader Brew, from the classroom to the real world, where we get a chance to catch up with our former students. Uh, Also, a big thanks to Northeastern University and Swinburne University as well. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Leader Brew podcast. Please be sure to like, subscribe and share us with others. If you would like to be a guest or a co-host, please reach out to us at www.theleaderbrew.com or on our social media platforms. Be sure to check out our leadership courses at www.weleapforward.org. A special thanks to audio engineer Jared Zimirowski for making us sound great and to Northeastern University and Swinburne University. From the classroom to the real world, we hope that today's Leader Brew podcast ignited the extraordinary leader within. 